AI and operations, that's our biggest problem right now. We've got infrastructures of people who've been doing the job for 15, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Some of them are, are old guys like me, um, and they're used to doing things the old way. And for them to trust that an AI can actually do something for them that they could do themselves, like, or they're used to doing themselves, that's a hard nut. Dave, how are you? I'm doing well, John. How are you? Nice Good. to see you. Likewise. Good to see you again. Hey, um, today, um, um, you know, thank you for making time for us. Um, uh, would like to chat about two things. One, the whole buzz about AI and how is it relevant for for the infrastructure and uh, you know some misconceptions around that and some some opportunities around that. But second, I want to talk about um, a topic that is dear and close to your heart: uh, DCIM, DCIM. <laughs> Yeah. The, the word that has been uh, documented and, and carved in every uh, analyst report for the past, I'm dating you, how many years? Well, 14 years, yeah. Fantastic. Since they, so, I think the first, the first research I wrote on it was 2009, so. Awesome. So, um, so let's let, let's begin. Like, we, we, you know, we have a lot of customers and a lot of prospects have been talking about AI and a lot of our competitors have been talking about AI and everybody's buzzing about AI. AI is going to change everything and all that. So what are you, what are you hearing uh, in the industry? What are you seeing? What, like, you know, we went through, we keep going through yeah. those cycles of hype of, you know, Bitcoin, blockchain, uh, cloud, uh, everything stabilizes and becomes a business opportunity and all that. What are your thoughts about AI? What are you seeing? What are you, what are you fielding? questions and all that i guess there's two ways to look at that I, I you know i've talked to customers for years about ai and um in most cases they were looking at it from a very specific point of view uh you know is there some is there ai capability i can put in my network monitoring or an ai capability i can put into my development process or it was always about you know i guess tactical practical applications of ai um the people who had the most pain in most cases that i talked to uh, this kind of links AI with DCIM, with the poor folks running the infrastructure. Uh, you know, they didn't have all the new tools. They didn't have all the cool things. They didn't were working on new projects necessarily. They were making the business live with what they had, and they've started thinking about AI from a I guess conceptual idea that can I use AI to automate the redundant operations I have today? Because uh, right now I've got like a server admins, I got storage admins, I got network admins. I got every time I got a problem or I got an alert from somewhere in the network, um, somebody's scrambling to figure out what to do. Can I introduce some level of AI uh, that can automate that or make that process easier or at least reduce it down to I just need to focus people on the things where they really need to focus and yeah. use AI to solve everything else? Now, that conceptually has been the, I guess, the mantra for the last 10 years or so. Uh, a lot of vendors talk about AI and they throw all these cool buzzwords out there, but the, the reality, not happening. Um, the last, I think the last three or four years, we're starting to hear about um, something called, called AI ops, uh, yeah. but it's this idea that can we take the whole basis of operations, you know, ITSM, ITAM, ITOM, all the ITOMs, yeah. uh, and apply some uh, intelligence to those things, and essentially automate the whole backend operation of our infrastructure. Uh, that's, I think, where enterprises want to go. In most cases, they aren't there, but that's where I think the market is for AI, at least from my perspective. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Actually, we were having similar discussions with with analysts, with customers, and and with with um, you know, in investors and all that. It's like, what what is your AI play? You know, your mission is to make critical infrastructure think. What does it look like? And um, 
I, I recently was um, uh, fortunate to um, uh, to be invited to DCW. Uh, Bill Clayman had a, had a session and, and and gave me a portion of that. And and part of that I covered AI and and what is required for AI. And and you know look through the hype. And I said, well, listen, you know, is AI relevant for you? And and why is it relevant? And 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 the idea is the answer is yes, absolutely yes. But how how do you how does that materialize? How do, how do you take advantage of that? And uh, we looked at it simplistically. We say, you know, you have various levels of insight that you can share within an organization, right? You have um, um, descriptive. I know, you know, what's happening in my environment. A UPS went offline. Why did it go offline? Well, the battery, um, you know, was not charged. So uh, the diagnostic. Why did it? Why did that happen? Well, the health wasn't good. Prevent, uh, predictive. Why, how can I predict it? Let's say, uh, that this from happening again. Well, you can monitor the the sensors for that. Prescriptive. How can the system tell me that? Well, you can set up thresholds and so on and so forth. And and then cognitive is the ability to 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 feed that into a model, into algorithms that can automatically detect and and manage that. So, is AI relevant? I posed the question, and uh, you know I had mixed answers. And I said, well, the way we look at it simplistically, if if you take a journey. Right. Take t- take a trip from LA to um, uh, to San Francisco, several hundred miles of of, uh, of a journey, and say so we have four means of transportation. All are viable pieces of technology in their days. You know, take one is is uh, your carriage and a horse, environmentally safe, uh, uh, very romantic. Um, you enjoy the scenery to the utmost. It's effective. It gets you there probably in a couple of weeks, uh, but it is. Uh, um, it is it in in its in heydays, pun intended. Um, <laughs> it, it was the state of the art, right? And and that's a couple of hundred years ago. And but that's that's akin to running your infrastructure on Excel, right? And this is this is the problem with, with that. The second you know uh, piece of technology, if you forward 50, 60 years ahead, you, t- you take a Chevy Malibu or one of the traditional cars, uh, faster, five hours. Uh, air conditioned. You have room to carry four or five people. You have, uh, you know, trunk space. Um, and uh, the problem with that is, uh, you have to pay up front. Um, uh, you have a lot of computers in it, but are disconnected. And I think this is what you were alluding to, around various uh, network teams and all that. A lot of insight is within that car, but in order to talk to it or understand it, you need to decipher the codes that come out and you need mm-hmm. to talk to professional services or take it to the dealership to pay money for it. The total cost of ownership is hidden in, on top of the actual cost is also the hidden cost of you spending the time owning the problem, caring, feeding for those systems and linking things together. Now, the yeah. third piece of technology is a, is a Tesla. You know, I had a problem with my Volvo XC90. I took it to the dealership. Twenty-five hundred dollars later, they analyzed three error codes. Like, oh, you have a module that went offline. Although they 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 talk about having uh, you know uh, um, uh, remote hands and ability to diagnose, it wasn't there. My neighbor has a Tesla. He gets updates <laughs> continuously. Yeah. He can play games. The quality of life for him, he focuses on other things that I don't have to worry. I have to worry about. And that's where the evolution of the car industry have been. And that's the next gen, what we call the next gen DSIM. So the traditional car is your traditional disparate systems within an organizations, your traditional DSIMs that that um, um, uh, you own and you you own the problems and you have to care and feed. A Tesla is, 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 is a next gen system, but the last and fourth piece of technology is a Hyperloop. 
Hyperloop can take you from LA to San Francisco in 27 minutes. Right? So yeah. that you need a different infrastructure. Now, is AI relevant? Uh, AI is relevant if we might explain AI and explain it as Shakespeare. If you feed a large language model, all the work of Shakespeare, and say, give me a create a sonnet for the first 10 years uh, of, of Shakespeare's work, it will understand the context, it will transform that and generate a sonnet or a poem for you. So the, the, the Hyperloop example is an example of um, um, AI. Is it relevant? You need the right infrastructure. Right. So the infrastructure where we talk about is for AI to be relevant for you, you need a monitoring pipeline. You need continuous feed of data. From various functional groups that traditionally, as you alluded to, is is, is separated. And then you need what do you do with that if you tell a, a, an AI model uh, generate something for me? You need the control. Yeah. You need to be able to do, go ahead. I was going to say that. Yeah. I mean, I like the, I like the storyline and how things are progressing, and I'm thinking I'm, I'm trying to relate it back to the fundamental problem today within large infrastructures, uh, yeah. and it's almost I guess the, the problem AI's had for years, uh, especially within within IT itself, um, is the problem your Tesla friend has solved. It, it took years for Tesla to get to the point in their life, since mm -hmm. like a dozen plus years now they've been building cars, where the consumer actually trusted that those downloads worked. And now, now they rely on them. So that that cultural shift, that trust factor, is the main driver of their success. AI and operations—that's our biggest problem right now. We've got infrastructures of people who've been doing the job for 15, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Some of them are, are old guys like me, um, and they're used to doing things the old way. And for them to trust that an AI can actually do something for them that they could do themselves, or, or they're used to doing themselves—that's a hard nut. I mean, a good example is you know even in the virtualization world years ago, uh, one of the the first AIs that came out was a model that would say, we can go and look at all your virtual systems and decide which ones are running efficiently or not efficiently or over-allocated or under-allocated, and essentially shut down what you don't need, spin up the ones you do need, and we'll make you a much more efficient operation. It was yeah. proven a number of times that it worked like a charm and didn't sell or worth a damn because a lot of IT shops didn't trust that some, some software is be shutting down their systems without their control. Yeah. Um, so getting that... I guess getting AI and operations to the point where they can trust that the alerts are true and the, the resolutions are true and things are trustworthy, the proof points, I guess. Once we get those, I think it'll take off like a rocket. I, I totally agree. And we see, we've seen that in, in various uh, uh, industries and various verticals. Okay. I remember uh, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, my customer data is, is the treasure. I, I will not put it anywhere else except in my own systems and all that. Now every CRM yeah. is cloud-based. Your ERP, your financial numbers, absolutely, it has to be hidden behind firewalls and all that. Uh, everything is SaaS right now, NetSuite, Workday, you name it, uh, uh, Dynamics, and so on and so forth. Uh, the industry is changing, and, and you're right, the cultural aspect is key uh, in, in, in breaking that, that, that misconception. And, you know, I refer to it as security through obscurity. And, and I have these discussions, uh, you know, uh, repeatedly with customers when we talk about, hey, you know, uh, why, sh why should I trust a SaaS platform? But, you know, we start having that discussion around security through obscurity. How many uh, PDUs are configured correctly? How many PDUs that have extremely valuable workloads, possibly supercomputers that are still configured with SNMP version one with public public yeah. strings and they're not on the right network? You know, how, how do you gain visibility 
manual operations on that and manually trying to check all that is is a moot point. We, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a vendor, you know, talk to us about they have a client with eight thousand PDUs. They need to do an emergency upgrade for PDUs and UPSs. Eight thousand. They flew people around. Uh, It costs a fortune, but it's also a risk and disruption for a major infrastructure, 8,000 PDUs. Think about the infrastructure that is relying on that, right? And if if a bad actor takes advantage of that, and and security is not just bad actors, could be a firmware that has a bug that could take workloads down, shuts down. So the, there are uh, uh, issues from, you know, um, or risks internal and, and, and external for sure. But, you know, for AI to be relevant, we, we believe that you need you need foundational pieces. You need the monitoring pipeline from the various areas and various streams. You need the control pipeline, the ability to do things uh, uh, with, uh, you know, outlet control, firmware management, configuration management, and so on and so forth. But as well as you need, if you're able to do it, doesn't mean that you should, you need granular access control policies. That, you know, if Dave is allowed to touch one asset, Dave can only see one asset, can only do something with one asset, not with all all the assets within that product category. And then with that, how do you train models? Are you gonna send everything to public? Yeah. Large models, large language models, or uh, privacy is key. You know, some of the data has to be anonymized. Some of the data cannot leave your, your premises. Uh, you know, the various verticals, NERCSIP, for example, IP addresses cannot leave um, the, the, the physical infrastructure. And lastly, understanding the context, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, if I want to update a, a UPS, but the UPS is running a ventilation, a ventilator in an OR room, um, well, we should understand that it is, you know, there are dependent assets on it and it cannot be updated right now. So these are foundational pieces for AI to be relevant. And with AI becomes, okay, so in stages, a uh, series of co-pilots around optimization, around power utilization, efficiency, carbon imprint, uh, impact, and so on and so forth. So back to your point, how do we create those trust points? How do Actually, we create it, those it, validation it, points? It's interesting. There's, there's two aspects here, I think. One is uh, what you keep talking about is the, the I guess the, I call it the operational efficiencies you get me out, you yeah. can get. Uh, your example of the 8,000 TDPDUs. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of you know, zero day issues. I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons yeah. from an operational point of view, AI makes sense. But the other aspect is once we start to do those things and once we can get those efficiencies, uh, it becomes something that's, I guess, you know, there's two ways to look at AI. One is what's it provide from, a, from an IT point of view and what's it provide from a business value point of view. Right. Um, and once you get that that the, that trust point, now you're talking about using AI for things like audit and compliance, and there's a whole bunch of other things at the C level where AI can provide value and provide a level of reporting that people have never seen before. Yeah, one of the things uh, I talk about a lot internally here to my team and and externally to customers and to investors, say AI has a lot of benefits, but probably 90% of the value is in the prescriptive analytics. Yeah, Understanding what I have, and having the system tell me um, what I need to do. Uh, AI is a cherry on top. Uh, you know, so for example, prescriptive could be um, um, firmware management. I have new firmware, I need to update. I have a million PDUs, click update, you're done. I need to roll back. I, I have, uh, the system automatically understands what I have. The system tells me I need to put some uh, blanking panels to, to maximize airflow to reduce uh, the, uh, the the temperature because I can direct the airflow. That affects the PUE and so on and so forth. That's prescriptive. I don't need AI for that. 
we look at AI as more as as, as a first initial step as a series of co-pilots. Enhancing the capability of the operator by providing mm -hmm. them the, the 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 analytics that is already there, synthesizing it and enable them to do it, to do factors. How do I like a, a um, if you think about transcoding or or uh, transcribing uh, uh, manuals, right? Take all the manuals that you have. How do I configure this PDU? Instead of you looking at the documentation, it guides you through that. Or go configure this PDU for me, right? That's mm -hmm. even better because you have the 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 control pipeline with the configuration management. Right. That that is where you can say I am an operator and I'm saying I need to configure my uh, 8000 PDUs at the highest level of encryption and the highest level of authentication with SNMP v3. Uh, go find them, validate that is done and remove all these roles. Right. Yeah. That is where AI is relevant because now it can generate, understands how to 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 talk to those PDUs with the right protocol, understands how to validate the work is done and understands the cascading effect of that if there's anything that needs to be done. That is where AI is more most impactful. So, so with that, um, let's tie these two things together. How does decent come to play? Like, what, what are your opinions? Like, you, you've been, you know, I've been, um, I think, and, 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 and this is maybe a stretch, but I consider myself a personal friend of yours because we've spoken to you, to each other so many times over the years. <laughs> I, I love chatting with you. I'm picking your brain on this. But, you know, DSM has been dear to your heart and you, your uh, your research has guided us uh, throughout the years. And I remember our chats in every conference, Gartner conference that we we, we grabbed and sometime and chatted about what we're doing in, in the, the industry and all that. And you shared your insights. So, so how does DSM come to play with um, uh, with AI? I think DSIM's um, DSIM's probably over the years has been it's been owned by people uh, within a, a physical infrastructure, um, and they saw it as a way to control what they could kick. Uh, you know, their own data center, and that was it. Um, the new DSIM, I think, uh, in fact, when we even talk about relative AI, is the one that looks at the infrastructure as something that's not on premises, but it's wherever it needs to be. It could be on premises, it could be next door, it could be down the street, it could be next country, it could be on the cloud. It's whatever is tied together to my infrastructure to make my business work. Um, the next generation decent, I think, has to look at all those different components and how all those things tie together. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, when you get to AI that says, okay, show me, show me some predictive uh, or prescriptive analytics around uh, this one application, it knows every piece of the puzzle that impacts that, that application, no matter where it is. Um, so decent, the new decent has to, has to start speaking at that level. Um, and I think we're, we're slowly starting to get there. Um, but um, uh, until we do, um, most people managing their infrastructures as a standalone unit, just within one data center versus multiple. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I think the other piece of the puzzle, which I'm starting to hear from people is, is not... Um, not just um, can I discover everything I have, which most people can't, but if I could, um, what, what am I consuming? Because now I'm getting pressure from the board to talk about not just power consumption, but environmental friendliness. And, you know, what mm. am I complying with with any of these new regulations out there? How can I create reports that show exactly what my infrastructure is and what it's consuming and what, is it, what I've been doing over the last six months to a year for the business? And show me some value of what we're doing. Uh, so that becomes a, a piece of, of DCM as well. 
uh, if you're a boarding piece, but it's a, you have to have a good solid discovery process uh, and, and I guess a, a book of state to, to, to create those kind of reports. Uh, and to be honest, once you have that basis, uh, now you've got um, a private model or a private data we can build a large language model around. Um, it's a lot more secure and it could be could be very fascinating what you could do with it over time if people trusted it. Yeah, and 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 the idea here is, is is to build that trust over over time. And for us, what we're hearing from our customers and what we're seeing in the industry, you have the um, uh, what you touched upon right now, uh, four areas of pressure. One, the the talent shortage and and people are overworked. Right? How do you how do you uh, enable the teams via automation, via the right insight? And increase their capacity and 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 effectiveness and uh, enable them to manage that infrastructure, and and that has been affected a lot by edge. Edge is fifty percent of the infrastructure right now. Like in twenty in early two thousand, most of the infrastructure was deployed on on-prem data centers. Now, fifty percent of infrastructure is in edge. How do you manage remote edge locations with all the challenges around? Around um, uh, you know uh, geographical um, uh, um, uh, reach and so on and so forth, but as well as when you have an edge workload, think about smart ag or smart city or all that. There's no longer a facility team or an IT team. <laughs> it's it's a workload that is running, and it's as, as strong as its weakest link. We uh, weakest link. If anything breaks. The whole thing breaks and then it's not functional. So, the the, the industry has been moving uh, towards how can I get that that uh, uh, complete visibility across the various layers: the network layer, the IT layer, the the facility layer, which is which is fantastic. Another area that you touched upon, the, the third one, is the the, the compliance side, um, uh, both from carbon impact. You have regulations now coming out uh, to measure that and, and and treat it like a tax. It's going to be an, an operating expense line item very, very soon. So and, and how do you enable the operators to look at it by workload perspective? Right. And finally, security, you know, security through obscurity doesn't work anymore. Right. Things are inside my data center. Your data center could have holes. And 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 what what is what has been happening? You know, we've been in this industry in 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 the software side for the past ten years, but prior to that, you know, managing twenty two data centers for uh, almost half a decade, actually more. Um, the industry has been changing, has been shifting towards. Uh, we want that, so so which is which is fantastic to see. The, the way we see DSM and um, uh, and how it plays role with AI, um, um, and 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 I'm going to use it simplistically. And 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 tackle one of the misconceptions uh, actually around data centers. People think about data centers as a big block of concrete with static infrastructure in it. <laughs> yeah. I can measure my PUE over the past twelve months. I I can feel good about it. PUE one or two or three, depending on how you measure, it. and I can look at this metrics. Right? We look at at the data center as a living organism. And I, and I was talking to my six year old, and she was like, "Daddy, what do you do?" And I said. Remember a trip? We took a trip to the Science Center in California, and there was a big 40 or 50 uh, uh, feet uh, robot that explained how the human body works and reaches a state of equilibrium or homo homeostasis, where it gathers input from every part of your body and, and knows, hey, I need to perspire, I need to increase oxygen to this organ because I am, you know, you you're doing pull-ups and so on and so forth. That continuous state of equilibrium is required by ingesting data. 
and I told her we are that nervous system. A DCIM, in our opinion, is the nervous system that collects the data and information and synthesizes it, analyzing it, and feed it to the brain. The brain can be the operator, the brain can be AI, or can be a combination of that. So that's how we look at DSIM is, and this is why, you know, the, the, the when we talk about DCIM and discovery and multi-protocol and digital twin and all the beautiful buzzwords, it comes down to what insight are you providing the end user to make it the right decision. The second piece of that, you know, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine, Dean Nelson uh, and Bill Clayman actually about this. Um, around how people use metrics and Dean has been championing uh, power capacity effectiveness where he talks about co-locations have been you know talking about they ran out of capacity but customers actually use a fraction of what they committed to so there's a lot of capacity yeah. that is wasted that we can reuse and to your point when you're looking at optimizing a data center or an infrastructure it's a continuous loop what is your PoE, regardless how accurately you can measure it, PoE 1, PoE 2, PoE 3, depending on, you know, UPS versus PDUs versus IT uh, consuming resources. Then you look at the power capacity effectiveness, how actually, how much power you're actually using. And then you look at the compute effectiveness. I'm using it, but I mean, every server that is running or every resource that is running, is it utilized? Yeah. And and what is the carbon impact for each one of them? A seven-year-old server versus a two-year-old server versus a, a optimized uh, virtual server has different carbon impact, right? And that continuous, uh, uh, continuously evolves. And that's why we look at a data center is a living organism. It's not a static object. And you need that nervous system to pull all that information to enable that insight. And this is, um, you know, I think this is how we look at it. AI would be the brain, yeah. and Adesum is the nervous system that feeds all that information to the brain. And then that, the, I like that, because the fundamental difference between this and the traditional DCIM is traditional DCIM was basically a, a static snapshot of your infrastructure. Um, it might be updated. Yeah. Correct, yeah. You know, when you needed to. It could be when new installs happen, but, but not very often. Um, we're talking... For live infrastructure, you're talking not real time, but near real time. You've got to got to continually monitor what's going on in order to make any smart decisions. And yeah. and 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 that's and that's where we see the industry is going. That's where we're on daily basis. We're having these discussions where customers are um, um, teams are tired. Teams are tired of of dealing with static uh, information. It's like I need to do a, an annual audit to figure out what I have in my data center. Why? You're losing it. Yeah. Why? You know, <laughs> why? <laughs> the clothing industry figured that out 100 years ago, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? It's yeah. like other verticals have figured that out. There are uh, RFID uh, um, uh, solutions at the rack unit level that solve that problem for $2 a, you know, a rack unit for, for 10 years. It, it is, but it is, it is what you, you actually spoke to me about this before is you said when people are busy uh they they miss the forest from the trees right when you're busy you're you're busy you're not yeah. able to step back and say how do i um so so how do we solve that problem DSM and ai how do we uh, you know what what how should we guide our customers or how should we guide people to think about this your words of wisdom <laughs> 
<laughs> Thanks. No pressure. I think I think your idea before of uh, um, creating um, um, I'm I'm breaking it out into pieces here. Uh, yeah. Create create a template or create a series of templates. It says you know for the network team. Here's how we can monitor. And here's how we can automate uh, network actions uh, to reduce those uh, the physical interactions that people have to make. This is how we can automate your your network. Here's how we can automate storage management. Here's how we can automate server management. Here's how we can automate facilities itself. Um, but by breaking it into individual dashboards or models or whatever, um, you can address each of those individual teams. Because right now, most people running this infrastructure as a whole, it's not one person. It's a bunch of groups, some who talk to each other, some who don't. Um, but if you can break it up so that, uh, say, the facilities team can do what they need to do, and you can automate as much as possible to reduce their workload, and then do the same thing for, uh, the, let's say, the data center team, uh, maybe the same thing for remote or the I IoT team. If all these things can tie together, and that's how you're designing the system now, um, eventually, so essentially, I've got, I've got an infrastructure that I may run it independently initially uh, until I get comfortable with it, and then I can start integrating things together. Um, I think that's that's how you tackle the marketplace, uh, unless it's a brand new company, and then you start from top down. But that's pretty rare nowadays. Yeah. So basically, you build the trust by by, by getting the the wins in in the various functional functional groups. Because most of them have existing processes in place, and they don't want to rip and replace. They don't want they want they want to do it slowly. Um, or we wait for everybody to retire and yeah. bring the new kids. <laughs> no, I think I think. Yeah, honestly, I think I think um, the the our industry um, um, there has to be a lot of pride in our industry. You know, the people work so hard in data centers, and 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 they keep the lights on. You think about during the pandemic, what kept the economy, what kept people alive, and and entertained, and and the economy going is 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 that group is is the group of individuals that it's, maintain it's that group. The, and the good news is they did it well. And the bad news is they did it great. I mean, I, I'll give you an example. I was talking to a guy not too long ago uh, in a hospital chain. He's the IT guy. And he said, yeah. uh, we had so much stuff going on just with, uh, with COVID and people yeah. working from home. We, said, we were just trying to keep the lights on. He goes, but at the same time, we're still trying to grow the business. So I had a couple of teams in uh, different hospital groups uh, who were getting into IoT and sensors and they want to try some new stuff. And I didn't have the time to do it. We just let them do their thing. Uh, this one group brought in some simple sensors in the hospital um, for different things. One was uh, monitoring um, when people wash their hands at different uh, the wash stations at the patients' rooms. They wanted to track that for, for insurance purposes. Another group was thinking, well, we, let's put sensors on the beds uh, for motion, for moisture. Um, and if a patient, uh, based on our parameters, they move, say, at 2 o'clock in the morning or it gets moisture out of the parameter range within at 2 or 3 in the morning, we can dispatch somebody to that room automatically. So we, they started putting in place like that to test them out. And he goes, and the, the good news is it worked. And the bad news is it really worked well uh, because suddenly nurses were doing a lot less running around and monitoring everybody on all the floors. Uh, they were just watching the monitoring stations and they were reacting to real problems versus going around to see if there's any problems. And the bad news is was the IT teams deployed this across multiple hospitals and multiple floors. We had literally tens of thousands of sensors, which we knew nothing about. And suddenly, I had to manage them all. And 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 imagine the amount of data that 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 
oh, yeah. and this is where you start saying is my IT team uh, built to care and feed for time series database that could grow to to, to trillions of of, uh, of lines we're working with a customer right now they're looking at maintaining data on a per minute basis for a million sensors right that's trillions of 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 records imagine managing all that inside your data center and your IT team having having the the cost to manage all that, right? Uh, this is why, you know, SaaS, but that's a different tangent. Um, I can get to that, but uh, for us, you know, as I, as I go back and focus on, on the topic of discussion uh, with AI and with, with uh, DSIM or digital infrastructure management, if you want to expand it to more aspects, which still applies, um, we look at data centers as a living organism. We look at mm -hmm. infrastructure. Edge and any 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 smart infrastructure, any connected infrastructure, as a living organism, it has to be monitored, analyzed, and and be able to be managed with secure access. And and if you have that central nervous system that enables you to collect that data, you know, and insert buzzwords here, digital twin, <laughs> yay, and all that. It's the capability of connecting to the sensors, understanding what they are, mapping them, and feeding that intelligence inside to either human beings or systems to be able to do various use cases or you know actions. I mean, with that, and AI has a huge potential for our industry, phenomenal potential. The beginning for it would be a series of co-pilots. Uh, but for you to take advantage of that as a customer or as a as a as a as a, as a consumer, uh, you need to to have five things in mind. You need to be able to collect the data. You need to be able to control the yeah. uh, the uh, the the uh, the infrastructure that uh, you're working with. You need to do it in a secure manner with granular access control policy. You need to make sure that your data is analyzed and built into model with privacy at the core, not an afterthought. And lastly, you need to understand the context of how assets are interdependent on each other. If you have these components in, in place, then AI becomes very, very powerful for you. If you're riding a carriage, riding a legacy, uh, uh, I'm not gonna mention a brand, but legacy automobile, <laughs> um, then AI is less relevant for you because you can't really take advantage of that. And if you do, you're doing it at a, at a fractional level. A, a data center, an infrastructure is a human being, is a, is a, is a living organism, not a human being. And uh, it needs to be in a continuous and consistent state of equilibrium or homeostasis. And, and, um, and that's how we think about it. And hopefully that, that helps people uh, look at their infrastructure and say, what do I have? Am I riding a carriage, a car, a Tesla, or I want a Hyperloop? Especially like if it. you're in a race. Yeah, I like it. It's, um, I think it's the only way we, we can move forward, really. We start getting infrastructures that are more and more distributed. And they're they're going to continue to get more and more distributed, even small companies. Um, we've got to manage them. We've got to control them. And you can't do it with people of all sites and stuff. It's just not possible. Um, so. Um, yeah, I, I I like the model of the, especially if it's a um, with consistent data data gathering, consistent data storage, uh, and controls over multiple sites. Um, suddenly, I can build a model where I can do predictive analytics. I can do uh, I can ask questions. 
know, what's the impact of bringing down this application on, on the following weekends, uh, on all the other applications, the downstream effects uh, on the business itself. And suddenly I'm making intelligent business decisions based on my DCI input. Absolutely. I totally agree. Cool. Um, fantastic. Easy. Go ahead. Easy to do, right? Easy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Click the easy button. Um, <laughs> phenomenal, as always, to chat with you. Hopefully, we'll do more often and uh, of these fire chats, and hopefully, people find this uh, uh, useful and intelligent. Um, um, and, or one of <laughs> one would be useful. <laughs> one would be fan fantastic. Um, have a wonderful day, and um, uh, we'll chat later. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you, David. Bye-bye.